we're finishing our last step, seven marks of a disciple, and we know there's many more, but this is the sermon series we're in this summer. As we close out number seven, we're reminded that we're, summer's almost closing out. Kids, it's almost time for school. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with this child? You what? All right, never mind. Yay, you should say yay. I would have never said yay when I was that age. But God bless your brother. Today is a family faith worship. We'll spend the first and third of every son of every month together because we want to look into the God's word and we want children to model after their parents. Parents, dads especially, you're the spiritual leader of your household. Whether you like it or not, you're leading those in your household. You're the pastor, if you will, of your household. Moms, you're right there, the two becoming one. You say, well, I'm a single parent. I have to do it by myself. Well, listen, God's there with you as well. Amen? And if you got grandparents or aunts or uncles or people to come alongside to bless your children, listen, get them around them as much as you can. Because we know that we, it seems like we, we talk about losing this generation. Would you think we're losing this generation? Yes. Let me tell you why. Here's what's happening. We are, there was a, just a survey just came out this week that people are reading their Bible less and less, and most people don't read their Bible at all during the week. Why do we have scripture reading on Sunday mornings? One, to, to equip you, that's our job as ministers of the gospel, and two, to edify it so we can actually lift you up and encourage you through the word of God, saying, hey, that's a, that's a word for me. Mike asked you this morning, take Paul's name out and put your name in there. Well, that wasn't scripted. We didn't tell him to say that. But that's exactly what I was thinking whenever we looked at that scripture. I am a minister of the gospel. Before I was called into the vocation as a pastor, I was called as a minister the day I was saved. You're a minister of the gospel if you're saved today, if you're a Christian today. So God's word has something to say to you. That should excite you. But what's happening today, because people are not reading the word of God, they have replaced time in the word with time on the screen. And parents are paying that each month. You will hear me talk about it till I die or turn so old I can't speak that I hate, that I hate, that I hate. You parents give your children screens to look at all the time. Look at the restaurants, look at the places. Kids are constantly on the screen. And the screen, listen, whatever's on that screen is making a disciple of whatever's on that screen. And Satan loves to make disciples. Did you know that? It's not seven marks of a disciple of Satan today we're learning. Kids are learning 700 marks uh, of a disciple of Satan today. Because of what you as a parent are paying for and giving to them so they'll be quiet or so they'll be satisfied. People, and, and it's not just kids today, by the way. Parents can't do without it. That's the problem. Parents and grandparents are the same way. They can't keep their face out of their device and they look at all the funny, crazy things. All of us are guilty of it. If you're looking up something, something comes your way. And my biggest hang-up, if you ever look, ask me why don't I play video games, is because I like to fight. Now, my, my brain still says I'm 17 and can punch anybody in the nose. And in the MMA fights, I can do any of that stuff. Why don't I watch that? Because I'm attracted to that. That's my kind of thing. We were doing an outreach yesterday and uh, with Green Pond Baptist Church. We're doing vacation Bible school with them. And we went into Subway to eat. And me and Melissa, the pastor, his wife were there. And he goes, look at that awful scene. They had, someone had MMA up on the screen in the Subway. Good Subway, by the way. It was the best one I've ever eaten at. <clears throat> but um, in Jackson down there, it's Jackson Subway. And he goes, could you imagine being on the bottom of another man pounding you like that, I was like, that's how I grew up. And I said, if MMA was around when I was a kid, I would have been a champion. I would have had a belt for sure. Uh, but it didn't come on until later. But he's like, that, he said, I like golf. I said, I like fighting. And so we didn't find the common ground. I didn't want to talk about golf, and he didn't want to talk about fighting, so we just kept eating our subway. But it was just something that draws me. I have to watch myself if I'm not careful, even if I'm looking to post something for the church. If I'm not careful, I'm drawn to 
a fight. And you know what? YouTube and Facebook, whoever does it, knows I like it because guess what pops up on my screen? There's never been a golf channel pop up on my screen, ever. It's the things that I'm attracted to. might watch that fight, the next fight, the next fight. Here's what I want to encourage you today. Whatever you're giving your children the most of is what the disciples have been made of. So if it's actually all in the eyes, listen, and you're paying for that, that's on you. You're making a disciple of your child, a disciple of God, or a disciple of this world or Satan. That's what you're doing as a parent and grandparents. Well, I, never, I want to give them things I never had when I was young. Well, give them Jesus. What greater thing can we possibly give our children, our young people, even ourselves, than Jesus? And I want you to see this in the Word today. It's called the good, new, and living way. That's today's sermon, Hebrews 10. And, and here, you're probably not going to have it because I put verses 11 through 25, but as I always do, something else to grab me. I have to back up to verse 1 because I need you to have the setting of this because this is so important. If you don't listen to one sermon I ever preached in 13 years, listen to the day, at least listen to the scripture as we read it together. Go back to chapter 10, verse 1, and when you're there, say amen. Hebrews 10, 1. If you're not a, well, I don't, Pastor, I don't like to read. Today, I want you to get over yourself and read. Just, just, just read in the scripture, your own scripture. Let's begin to get together. For the law, having a shadow of the good things, that's where the good comes from, good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. Now, you say, well, how does that even start? It's a mouthful, confusing. Remember, the writers of Hebrews is writing to the title gives it away. Hebrews, right, to the people that are Christian, Hebrews. He's writing to them, and they understood the Old Testament, the Old Covenant of the blood sacrifice, and now they're being introduced, as it were, to the New Covenant, to the Second Covenant, that Jesus Christ died. He was the ultimate sacrifice for all sins. They've seen the priests. They've taken their pet lambs, if you will, to sacrifice. They've killed the turtle doves. They've been through the experience of murder, not murder, because killing. You don't, can't murder an animal. You can kill an animal. You can murder humans, right? Um, so when thou shalt not kill, the better translation is thou shalt not murder. Obviously, when we see that we actually, animals are made for us to eat and to use, right? God said, have dominion over the earth and all the things thereof. That's what we're to do. When you murder, you take another life. So they would see the sacrifices, blood sacrifice, millions and millions and millions of animals, throats cut, blood drained, in all the way that God prescribed in the law. Why? So that mankind, if you, uh, the best way I can ever explain it as a kid, I finally understood it when I was a kid, if you go to McDonald's back in the day, now McDonald's ice cream machines are never working, so they, we all can't experience it today, but they used to do uh, that chocolate dip. What was it called? It would, you, would, you would dip it in there, and then you pull it out, and it was completely covered with chocolate. Y'all remember those days? Hard shell, that was it. Get a hard shell. And so uh, that's the way the blood was. Your sins were there, exposed. You took the required offering, and the priest, as it were, would actually, the Levites, would, would kill the animal, and the blood of the animal covered your sins. Well, you had to do it again. You had to rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Do it all over again because you sinned again. And you would have to go again and have the animal killed so that your blood might, the, animal of the, uh, the blood of the animal might cover your sins. Just over and over. So that's what he's talking about here when he talks about the law. The law just said, stop. How many of y'all have ever ran a stop sign in your life or a traffic light? Raise your hand. You live in Aiken. I know you have. Most of you have. It's on a regular basis. How many of you guys have exceeded the speed limit? Or let's call it this way. You've done the speed limit plus, right? 
So we go down, we can, we can name law after law after law that our legislators have put down and said, this is the legal law, this is the law. And we go back and we're, how many of us are lawbreakers from the South Carolina law? Yes, we are. But how many of us are lawbreakers from the law of God? All of us are. So what would happen is the same people, the Hebrews would understand, man, we broke the law again. we got to go do this again. Over and over. The law says stop. And everybody kept going. Everybody says, don't steal. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. All those things where he said don't. And you do. That's called sin. And all those things he said do. 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 And you don't. That's sin. So the Hebrews understood, oh, we got to go get this covering because we need our sins covered. And then with the new covenant, with Jesus coming as we read into this, Jesus said, listen, it's, it is finished on the cross. It's finished. When he died, he didn't die to cover your sins anymore. He came to take your sins where? Far, far away. They're, they're never to be seen again. He took your sins away, past, present, and future sins. So with that understanding, now let's go to verse 2. For then they would not have ceased to be offered, for the worshipers, once purified, would have no more consequences of sins. But in those sacrifices, that's the animal sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is, imposs- it is, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Say that in your mind. For the Hebrew listener way back a couple thousand years ago, it is not possible for the blood or goats to take away your sin. It only did what, church? What did it do? It didn't take away your sin. It did what? Covered your sins. So that was the original blood covenant that God had with mankind. I will make this avenue for you. I will give these animals uh, as a way to cover your sins. But his ultimate plan was to give you an avenue to Take away your sins. So in your Bible, in the Old Testament, that's the Old Covenant, majority of Scripture that we find in your Bible. So when your Bible says Old Testament, New Testament, that is the Old Covenant, the Old Blood Covenant God had with mankind. Take your animals, have it sacrificed, and your sins were covered. But they could not, as the Scripture tells us, the blood of bulls and goats could not take away your sins. Verse 5, therefore, when he came into the world, who's he, by the way? Christ. He came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, God, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. And you can go back and look at Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to, here it is again, the law. Who gave the law? Who's the lawgiver? It was God. And Moses, obviously, he gets credit for the Hebrews to give the law, but it was from God. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do, here it is again, your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. What is he talking about if he took away the first to establish the second? Children, listen carefully this morning. He took away the first the covering of your sins, for the second, that's the offering of Jesus Christ himself. When Jesus died on the cross, he gave his blood, his royal holy blood for your sins and for mine. He took on, the Bible says God made him sin who knew no sin. He took on everybody's sins in the whole world, not just yours, but everyone's, including yours, on the cross. When he died, when he said it is finished, he meant the work and the will of God is complete. Now the new covenant is established in his death, in his burial, 
and his resurrection. We serve a living, living holy God today. Amen? He, so he said, I'll come about here to earth because God had a plan from the beginning of the earth. We find out from the beginning of the foundations of the earth, God had a plan that our sorry souls will be saved today. Isn't that great? When your when you're soul sorry, good for nothing, full of sin, even if you're a young person saved, listen, you're, you were good for nothing. And some of us are still living today like the blood of Christ is good for nothing. We're still serving the three, the Trinity, me, myself, and I. And we, we think everybody in the whole world, hey, we get pouty real quick. We think the whole world revolves around us, and we forget that he is on the throne because when he finished his work, we're going to see, the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And he's there forever making intercession for you and me until he comes again. Amen? That, that's a good God that we serve. Let's continue. Let's take that dive, if you will. So he came that he might establish the second. By that will, we have been sanctified uh, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and how for all. Once and for all. You ever say that? Now you've done it. That's a once and for all deal. That's what this one is. How many times did Jesus die on the cross, church? Say it out loud. How many times did Jesus die on the cross? How many times must a sinner be saved? Whatever amount of times it was he died on the cross... That's the amount of times that you must be saved. We got some brothers and sisters that said, no, you can lose your salvation. Let's read it again. By that will, we have been sanctified. That means set apart. We've been put into a whole other category. We've been decreed holy by God. Right? That's what sanctified means. I've been taken out and put over here in this category. I am now his. I've been sanctified. How? Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. How many times must I be saved? Once. How many times am I sanctified when it comes to salvation? Once. There's another scripture that says we're daily being sanctified, though. What about that? It's just God growing you in your discipleship. He's going to set you apart a little bit more. He's going to move you out of that job. He's going to move you out of that state. He's going to move you out of that location. Or he's going to move you to that place closer and closer. He's constantly separating you and sanctifying you. Have no part of those people. Those people are like the old people. They, they love the old way. They want to go and run to church and say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. They want to get in a black box and say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned and, and have that man tell them to do so many prayers and then run out and do it all over again. That is not what Christ is all about. He doesn't play games with us today. He's not some little punk in heaven hoping that you'll do it right. He calls you out and says you will go his way or you're going to hell. Amen? Watch this. You say, well, where's that scripture? Let's keep reading. That's, that's the beauty about reading. Now, let's jump into verse 11. And every priest, here's what he does. He stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. There he is, cutting the throats of the animal. They're doing certain things with this part of the animal. Do something with the blood. Do something with the skins. Over and over. Just next. And, and priests and Levites were a bunch of butchers, like a butcher shop. It was offered unto the Lord. Over and over, just millions and millions of animals, same thing. Pick up the animal, offer the sacrifice. 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 My shift's over. Second shift comes in, picks up the animal, offers the sacrifice. Offer the sacrifice. Same over and over. That's why these guys were worn out. Do you know whenever a Levite or priest could retire? It's around the age of 55 they could retire. Why? Because they were worn out. They're spent picking up all these animals. They're, they're exhausted because they had manual labor their entire lives or their entire ministries. So let's have a look. Here we come and look. 
Every priest, this is what he's doing. Verse 12, there's a big letter here that starts a big word, but, B-U-T. But this man, capital M, that's Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, by one offering he has perfected forever. Mark these words in your Bible. Forever those who are being sanctified. What does sanctified mean? It means simply this. Listen, set apart as holy. Say it with me. Sanctified. Come on, y'all. I know this is elementary, but some people accuse the church of using church words. We get our church words from the Bible, so therefore the church should use the words of the Bible. Would you agree? Sanctified. Say it with me. Sanctified means to be set apart as holy. And if you want to go further, as holy unto God. So when you walk around, you walk around. You don't walk around with a chip on your shoulder because it's not about you. You didn't sanctify you. You did nothing but receive a free gift from God. For God so loved the world, that's me and you, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have everlasting life. It was God who did it all. You've done nothing but receive it. You say, well, I received it by faith. You know the Bible says he has given every man and woman a measure of faith. He even gave you the faith to believe in Jesus if we will simply trust and obey. How many of us are sitting in here today, and you know who you are, have never trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, going, well, I don't want to give up my fun. I don't, I don't want to give up now. I'll come to Jesus later in life when I get old. There might be a pine box with your name on it down here one day before you get a chance to call on the name of Jesus. You running the road so hard, listen, you think it's fun and games right now. I'm telling you, I've done more funerals than I like to talk about that were unexpected. What are young people doing today? There's no hope. There's no hope for young people. What is, the, what is the hope of a teenager today? They used to talk about, I can't wait to, one day, even little kids, I, I want to be a fireman when I grow up, I want to be a policeman when I grow up, I want to be an architect, all these things I want to be when I grow up. You never hear kids dreaming dreams much anymore. Why? Because the video games and all the things are fulfilling every desire that people have. It's just like a woman reading romance novels. She don't want, she's not very romantic with her husband because she's being fulfilled in those books. It's like a man looking at something inappropriate on a computer because he's being fulfilled with the computer. We, we, we have allowed things to actually fill up those hearts that God's given us. God's given us hearts to dream and to hope. And today, our society, you look at our society, you look at hopeless. When I was told, a couple weeks ago, when I was standing in that Planned Parenthood rally, you know, I told you there was a man or there was a woman but found out that when he spoke, he says he goes by he, she pronouns. I mean, she, her pronouns. I'm like, I've never heard somebody address a crowd like that when they start. He just, I'm simply just this. Came up from the crowd and says, hi, my name is whatever female's name. And says, I go by she, her pronouns. So I, 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 was, in, I was interested. I'm like, what does that mean? I mean, I've read it. but And went on to say he built all the construction stuff, all the craft stuff, the booths. Was happy, happily married. And has a daughter. And then said, he admitted that he was transgender, that he was, she, she okay, that she was a he. So he is a he, by the way, just for the record. I will never reference you as a she if you're a he. Right? I'm not going there. And so I'm watching going, wait a minute, you're transgender and have a wife. That means you're normal. Except that you dress like a woman. Right? Because I have a wife. It was the hardest thing for me to compute. And then hearing all the things about, well, transgender people need abortions as well. Now, we can get these bellies on us as men, but I'm telling you, there is no womb inside of a man. 
Amen? Only a woman has a womb. There is no possible way for a man to get pregnant. The end. These are people that have been schooled in some of our greatest universities. That we just put a Supreme Court justice on that she can't even tell what a woman is. Here's the record. A woman is a female, adult female. There's no more definition. Y'all waiting for more? A woman is an adult female. Try it with me. A woman is, is an adult female. A man is adult male. The end. There you go. You've been schooled. Let's get back to the word. You say, well, Pastor, why would we waste time in church to say that? Because y'all are playing games with your coworkers and your family going, yeah, well, he dresses like a woman. He calls himself her, and I have to call him Jan. I've been dead gum. Listen, I know, I know the work that you live in, y'all, the world that you're in. I, I feel sorry for you. I really do. You say, well, you're protected by the church. I am somewhat. But when I get into society, I'm not going to call a man a woman for no reason at all. I will not stoop to the level of Satan to call what God has made a man a woman. I will not do it. I will not do it. Let's continue. But this man, verse 12, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit, here comes a sweet Holy Spirit, y'all. Remember when Jesus said, if I go to the Father, I'm going to ask him to do what? Send you the comforter. I'm going to send you one. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to send somebody for you. And that somebody was the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, you might say, in your translation. Verse 15, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their where? Where's the law of God going? So we don't throw the Old Testament away. Where's the Old Testament now? It's written in our hearts. You say, well, I don't know the whole Old Testament. If you would open yourself up to it, the Lord would teach it to you because it's written on your hearts. Watch. Here's someone else who puts it. And in their, what else does your Bible say? Written it in their minds, I will write, write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. How do you stand before the Lord if you're a Christian today? Guiltless. Shameless. Listen, when you come to it, I have no shame because... The Lord has taken it all away. I have no guilt. You say, well, I know you when you were younger. Well, you did all these different things. And you will say, how? That might be true. And I've told y'all, if anybody ever says anything bad about me, saying, you should know your pastor. He did this when he was younger. Come to me. It's worse than they know. There's probably only one in the whole room that knows it, and that's Steve Smith sitting right there. He would know more than anybody in the whole room besides God. So if somebody tells you, hey, your pastor used to run the roads and do the wrong thing, don't listen to him. Say, let's go see him. Let's go ask him. I'll tell you the truth. But listen, am I proud? Those things are gone. That's the old me. And now there's somebody new. That's the new me. I've been made new, not because I made myself new, not because I've arrived anywhere on the planet. It's because Christ and his blood has made me new. That's the only reason we're new in Christ. Let's continue. Let's, we need to uh, come on down to verse 18. Now where there is remission of sin, there is no longer an offering for sin. Jesus is not going to die again. If you come from a Catholic background, a Roman Catholic background, and that priest tells you to go say many, so many Hail Marys, and they tell you to do, say how many our fathers, and they go back and say, listen, you got to come back, and every time they have communion, they kill the Lord all over again. You're eating his skin, and you're drinking his blood. Listen, God forbid that we would make a mockery of that. You say, we're well, going up against the Catholic Church. I'm going against the Roman Catholic Church. The Pope is a fraud. 
Nobody wants, I know it's quiet in here because some of y'all have the background. You're like, I can't speak against the Pope, Pastor. The Pope puts himself as God on earth, God's man on earth. God forbid that I would stand and tell you, I'm Jesus Christ. Come to me. I'm God's man today. He doesn't call himself Jesus, but he said he's God's man here. When he decrees something, it is so. The leader, if you will, they call himself the prophet of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. He calls himself God's man here on earth. Every time man has started a cult, he wants to put himself in charge. Look at me. Don't look at him. They always say, he gave me the power. You say, well, Pastor, we're going to have a firebombing in our church because we spoke against transgenders, homosexuals, the Catholics, the Muslims. Listen, let God reign. Amen? We must speak the truth in love because his word has spoken the truth. If we speak of only ourselves and it's because I don't like somebody and I speak against a person, listen, that's on me. But if I speak the very word of God, what God's word says, that's on him. I must be a preacher, a herald, one who says what he says in his word. You don't have to like it one bit. I can look at some of your faces and you're all like, I can't wait this is over with. Listen, hey, get a whole dump truck and get over yourself and take it home and read it for yourself. And get mad at God. Sit down and stew with God. God, I don't like this, and I don't like this. And you think God in heaven is going like this? Oh, my goodness. He don't, oh, she's so upset about my word. Not one second does God care what you think about his word unless you think wholly about his word. Amen? He's not worried about you. Either you're with God as his child or you're his in- enemy, his enmity with God. You're separated from God. And if you're separated from God, you're going to hell. You don't have to like it. You say, make it softer. Okay. If you're not a Christian, you're going to hell. That's the softest we can say it. We must speak the truth in love. We must tell the truth. If the bridge was out today and everybody's going that way home, we would say, stop. The bridge is out. We would text it. We would Facebook it. We would put out a warning somewhere. We'd call the police. The bridge is out. We'd block the bridge with our car. But, y'all, we're talking about our friends and our families and our coworkers, those students at school going to hell, and we won't do anything saying, that's their choice, their body, their choice. And they get to choose. We don't want to interfere. If I lose my job, you might lose your job. But I'm telling you, there's a God who's faithful who will give you another job. It's just a job. You need money, come to the church house. We'll see that you're fed. You can stay with me and Wendy. I'm about to have a free bedroom here, here soon, right? Already got two. It might get tough, and it's going to get tough in these last days. We're going to come together and encourage each other in the Word of God because we have this new, this good living hope. And listen, outside, no one understands it out there. Even those people who go to other churches, they claim, and I'm not saying that we prayed this morning for every Bible-believing, preaching, teaching church today. But those who are just gathering together, listen, a bunch of dead, stumped country clubs that are meeting this morning just want to talk about the love of God, sing a couple of songs, walk out the door and feel good, saying, wouldn't it good be in the house of God today? It should feel filthy like I need a shower sometimes when I walk out there going, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I have been living totally opposite of what your word says, Lord. Forgive me. And when you walk out of here, you feel renewed, but you're sweating. You need some extra deodorant because the Lord has spoken, Right? Verse 19, let's finish this. Therefore, brethren, having boldness. How many of y'all have boldness today in this culture? How many of y'all are bold where you look work? How many of you are bold in your family? And that's boldness, that's holy boldness, to enter into, listen to this, we get to go where the high priest used to go. In the old covenant, only the high priest could come up on the platform and enter into the curtain and go into the presence of God. Only the high priest once a year could go into that area. Only him. And the Lord says today, listen, in the word, 
you and I have direct access. Come boldly before the throne of God. You get to enter into, as it were, the holy of holies. You get to come into God's presence. And you can talk about anything that you want to talk about with the Lord. Let me tell you this. Kids, listen up. Children, listen. What's too little for God to talk about? Nothing. All right, adults, let's go and get y'all. What's too big for God to talk about? Nothing. He wants to hear your voice. He made you. The Bible says you notice how many hairs are on your head. He loves you. And he wants to hear your voice. He wants to come in and be with you. He says in Romans, uh, Revelation 3.20, I'm standing at the door knocking, asking you, let me come in. And he's talking to the church there. Let me come in. Let me come and have dinner with you. Hey, fix me dinner and invite me in. I'm standing here waiting to come in. Then he tells us in Matthew, ask, seek, and knock. Look for him, put him first, and then draw to him. And when you draw to him, the devil, guess what the Bible says? James says it, John, James 4. Resist the devil. Draw near to God, resist the devil. And he's got to flee. Anybody like fleas? Only the kind that run, right? F-L-E, I know that. Don't correct me after church. I know what F-L-E-A is and F-L-E-E. Watch this. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter to the holies, holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us, through the veil, that is, his flesh, his crucifixion, and having a high priest over the house of God. And really, the better translation is a high priest over all of eternity, all that exists. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is, what's your Bible saying? He's faithful, church. Listen, he's faithful. You would say, well, that's nice. Let's finish it right there. But watch this. He's going to punch the 21st century church in the mouth. This is me and you today. The writer of Hebrews is writing to the Hebrew Christians, but he's going to flip it because, as God's word has, did it make application to them in that day when it was written? Did it make application 100 years ago? Yes. Does it make application here today? Same salvation, only through the blood of Christ. And watch this. When the people got saved, here's what they naturally did. Acts chapter 2, go read it for yourself. We preach through Acts. When people got saved, they could have been running the road, hustlers, any kind of prostitutes. we got a little bit of everybody in the Bible that got saved, right? When they got saved, what happened to them? They quickly wanted to come and learn more and more about God. And they would say, hey, we're going to preach. We're going to go to the Jewish temple on Saturday, but we're going to also preach on Saturday. And people were pouring in to hear the preaching. And the day of Pentecost, when all the Jews from all around came, Peter stood up and preached. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell on them. They spoke with tongues that people understood language. They, they understood, hey, he's preaching this in my language. Let me listen. And they heard about Jesus, and they repented of their sins, and they were saved forevermore. You'll see the people at the day of Pentecost. We'll see them in heaven. And that's been almost 2,000 years ago. This is what happened in the Word of God. So watch this. Here's where the 21st century comes, church comes in. Look at verse 24. Did he know that he was making, did God know what he was doing when he made lakes? Oceans, mountains, all the places that we like to go on vacation. Did he know what he was doing? Yeah, when I preached through Acts, you saw, I think Jesus loved the lake and the, and the beach. He was always at the Mediterranean or the Lake of Galilee. He, he was always there. He, was, he, was, he liked being around the water, I think, because he created it. But look at verse 24, 25. 
Here comes the condemnation for us today. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Brother, let me encourage you to be about the word of God. Go out and stand for what's right. Go out and share the love of Jesus Christ. Don't stand to get in trouble for yourself, but you go out and you stand for Jesus' name. I can't do that. I can't say that. I can't vote that way because Jesus won't let me. That's just how it works. But look at verse 25. This is what you can do right here. Look at verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day, capital D, approaching. Let me go through your notes real quick. There were people back in the day, first century church, laying out of church. What could you possibly do on Sunday morning? That's your work. That's the first day of the week. But there were Christians who didn't want to come to church. I don't need to go to church because I had my fill at Jewish temple yesterday. I had enough of the law this week. They were laying out of church even back in the day. How many people stay at home? Y'all are watching my home. If you're shut in, God bless you. Thank you for watching. But if you're able and will and not willing to come to church, you need to get off the couch. The end. Right? There's room, there's COVID-proof rooms over here, right? If you sit by yourself. They're not COVID-proof. I'm just kidding. But come and gather together. Wear your mask. Wear a respirator. I don't care what you do, but come and be with God's people because you have a gift that you must give away. And when you keep it for yourself, you're like, it's all about me. It's all about me, Jesus. It's all about me. Do we sing that song? We lie and say it's all about you, don't we? Don't we sometimes? We know this past week it was about us. It was me that that stood in the way. It was me that caused that trouble. It was me that said that word. It was me that sent that mean text or whatever it might be. It was me, Lord. And that's where we confess those sins. He says, listen, I'll fix that. You're forgiven. If we confess our sins. And we're faithful just to, uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll take it and wipe it away because he's already died for it. Look at your notes. Let me fill in the blanks for your notes real quick. God's demonstrated, God demonstrated, I should say not God's, God demonstrated the insufficiency of man's attempts to take away sin. What was man doing? God gave him a system saying, okay, here's the law, thou shalt not, thou shalt. Man's like, okay, we got this. They're cutting throats. They're trying to make up. We can do this. We can do this. And after a while, I guess what's happening? People are watching going, I mean, we got to come out and kill. You may imagine kids watching the sacrifice, your favorite animal being killed, right? Dad, why don't we got to kill whatever it is, Bucky again, right? Or what the next name? Whitey, Snowflake, whatever the animal was. Dad, why don't we got to do that? Oh, son, that's going to cover our sins. Next year comes along. Dad, why don't we got to kill that one? Well, son, it's because we got to cover our sins. Daughter, we got to cover our sins. Over and over again, they grew up in this culture going, well, God said don't, we did, and God said do, we didn't. So we're going we're gonna to go ahead and kill another animal. Imagine growing up in that culture. Like, you talk about blood today, people go, Ugh, blood, Ugh. Don't you, right? Y'all, y'all need to take all your children and grandchildren to the slaughterhouse and watch an kill, animal killed. It'll help them grow up. They'll understand the blood covenant better if they see an animal killed. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I grew up on a farm. Can y'all tell? See, see you pet chicken killed or you pet rooster or, or you pet rabbit killed, right, Steve? You'll understand the blood covenant. All right, Christ's death fulfilled God's will. He established the second covenant. Remember, which covenant are you and I living under today if we receive it? Second covenant. Is the first covenant relevant? Only for information. Where is that first covenant now? I should say this word, but it's tattooed on our heart and it's tattooed on our minds, right? 
That's where the law is now. It's written on our heart, written in our minds. But we live, if you will, by the blood. We're covered by the second covenant. In accordance with the will of God, the Christian believer has been what? Sanctified, that is, set apart as holy for God and his purposes through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, once and for all. You've been set aside and, and declared holy. Jesus died once for as the sacrificial payment for sins. He was and is the all-sufficient sacrifice forever. When he completed the will of God, he sat down the right hand of God. You say, well, how do you know that? The Bible says so here in Hebrews 10, but it also says if you look up Romans 8, those people that believe you can lose your salvation, the Bible says, Paul comes back and says, what can take me from the hand of God? He says death and life. He gives you a whole lot of different things. And when we read it, we go, no, that can't take us. Well, no, that can't take us. Here's, I'm going to leave you with something today. Even God can't take you from God's hand because that would be outside his nature. And God will never do anything outside of his nature. So do you feel secure today in your salvation? You should feel 100% secure. He's got me. God's got me. When I'm in trouble, he's got me. When I'm in good times, he's got me. No matter where I am, he's got me. Though I'm in a plane crash going down, guess what? God's got me. No matter what you're going through today, listen, if you're a Christian today, God's got you. Read Romans 8, 31 through 39, and read it with a comforting, soft voice and understand God's got you. The Holy Spirit seals the law of God in the believer's heart and signs the law into their minds. When our legislators, they, when they sign it and the governor signs into law, guess what happens? It is what? Law. God offers absolute forgiveness and complete cancellation of the penalties of sins through the blood of Jesus. There is no longer any offering to be made or can be made to atone to make you right with God for the sin. Jesus finished it. Remember what he said on the cross? It is what? Finished. He knew he was fulfilling the will of God. He, it's done. There's nothing else to do. Some of our brothers and sisters in other churches, I, I call them brothers and sisters, some people in other churches are saying, there's, no, there's still revelation. Scripture's still being written today. After the book of Revelation, it's done. Otherwise, if you're espousing that you can actually speak Scripture that's not written yet, you're putting yourself under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that you are an apostle or you're a writer who's been assigned directly from the Holy Spirit of God. And where does that put the attention? Uh, back on you. He's not going to share. I'm telling you, he won't share. You should read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. He talks about you being a new creation there. He's atoned for your sins. God's new and living way authorizes Christians to have holy boldness and freely enter the place where he dwells. This is my throne. You can come here anytime you want to. I was at a business this week. I asked for something. I wanted to look at something. They're like, um, I got one in the back. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll meet you around there. He goes, no, no, just come through here. And I went behind the counter. You ever been done that before? You went behind the counter and you're walking like, man, I don't belong here. Like, this guy gave me access, but I don't really belong here. I belong there. Why? Because the guy that was working there said so. You have access because I have access. Why do you belong to the throne of God? Not because you belong there, but you belong there because Jesus has said you belong there and gave, has given you access. He is the way, the truth, and life, right? Finally, Christians are witnesses to the faithfulness of God. That's loyalty, his steadfastness, any words you want to put in there. Christians must hold tightly to the confession of our hope without wavering. No matter what society says out there, y'all, hold on to Jesus. Hold on to our confession of our faith. For he promised, he you promised is faithful. Christians should encourage, that's give support, give hope to other Christians to keep on working for Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father who is in heaven. Keep on, church. Keep on, church. Keep on, church. Let your works shine out there because people are watching you. And you might be the very one that leads your friends 
to Christ. Christians should never neglect as fail to care for their opportunities to meet together as believers for worship and instruction, although some do. Don't stop coming to church. You say, well, Pastor, that's just your preference. Let me go back and read verse 25 really quick. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together at Town Creek Baptist Church, as in the matter of some, right? Put any church you want to in there. Some people just say, I ain't going to church. Church ain't got nothing for me. Don't like the lights, don't like the music, don't like the preacher, don't like the hymnal, don't like the version of the Bible, don't like the carpet, don't like the bathrooms, don't like the parking space. Keep going on. People will make every reason not to assemble themselves together, as some have done in the past. But there's some people that I can't get enough. Yes, i got to tolerate that preacher, right? I like the music, and I love being together and talking after church. It's funny to see how many people. I cut the lights on most people every Sunday. So y'all saying that we got enough lights. Y'all keep talking. And people just sit and talk. And we had the picnic. Wasn't that fun if you came to the picnic? If you missed it, guess what? You missed it. It was fun. It was good food. We had good fellowship. It was time together. And I thought, we need to do this every fifth Sunday. So just well at staff, just FYI, that was on my mind. So we, I think it's going to actually... Every fifth Sunday, we're going to start having some food and music and something together. We're going to do something together. And finally, let's get on it. Christ is what? Returning. Christians must be found faithful, must be faithful. Let me ask you this question. Have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Have you received the new blood covenant? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You say, well, how do I do that? Simply this. If he draws you through his word to him, he says, listen, you need to receive that. You need to give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ right now, to me, because I love you, and I want to forgive you of your sins. And when you say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins, would you forgive me and come into my heart and life? Guess what he says? Yes, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead in three days. Do you believe that? I believe that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, waiting on us till his enemies are made his footstool. Do you believe that? By the way, who makes his enemies his footstool? He does, because he's in charge of it all. He's waiting patiently for the next person to be saved. He says, when is he coming back? I'm ready for him to come back. Hey, don't be in such a hurry. We, we do pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. But he's more patient than we are. He's waiting for your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, your mama, your daddy. He's waiting for your friend, your coworker. You say, well, I wish they would hurry up. Well, they'd hurry up if you would open your mouth to share the gospel. You must be the preacher in your house. You must be the teacher in your house, in your work, wherever you go to school. You have to be the one. You are his witnesses. He says, go and make disciples. That's your job. That's my job. We'll do the baptizing, and we'll even help you with teaching here. But you've got to go make disciples. That's all of a disciples' responsibility. That's one of the seven marks of a disciple. And listen, today, if you've never given your life to Christ, we invite you to come. If you have given your life to Christ, you've never been baptized by immersion, you say, well, I was baptized or sprinkled as a kid. Don't count. Doesn't count, right? Make disciples, baptize them. Baptism always follows salvation. It's called believer's baptism for a reason. And if you haven't been faithful to God, you need to confess that to God saying, Lord, you smack me right here with this one today. Right? I haven't been faithful to be a witness. I haven't been faithful to care. I haven't even been faithful even to attend a church service because fill in the blank. Listen, this is the good thing about serving God. He says, okay, let's hit the reset button. Let's get a fresh start. Because I've already forgiven you when I died on the cross. Now let's get at it. And guess what he does? Day by day, he helps you help yourself. He'll go right with you. Through its good times and the bad times, he's there with you. We serve an awesome God, y'all. If you truly serve and love him and know him, we can't help but shout, he's an awesome God, right? He's an awesome God. Let's pray.
Our God and our Father, Lord, as we close our service gathering together. It's good, Lord, we can be biblical today. Hebrews 10.25, we are doing the very thing that you told us to do. We're gathering together to encourage each other. We've laughed around the coffee pot. We've told stories. We met during Catalyst. We, we had little side meetings on the, in the hallway. We, we've high-fived some kids. Lord, we've talked about things that, that matter. And Lord, we gather around your holy word. And we understand that you've called us to be holy people, separated, sanctified as people of God. Lord, help us day by day because we are weakened in what we do on ourselves. But Lord, we know that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.